Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and this week I am back on 600 AM KGEZ with Anthony Knockreiner to preview the upcoming Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers. But before we get there, be sure and hop over to fieldgoals.com. Alistair Corp has a great article out going back to 2005 and an oral history of Sean Alexander's MVP season. Be sure and take a look at that. Also, coming up in this episode with Anthony, we'll be going over one of the topics that Mookie Alexander wrote about earlier this week. Which Seahawks Super Bowl loss would you rather have back? I explained the rationale behind my choice. So tune in, stick around. You'll hear that along with my prediction for the outcome of Super Bowl 54. Here it is, my chat with Anthony Knockreiner of the Knock On Sports. It is Super Bowl week as we get ready for the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers to do battle in Super Bowl 54 down in Miami. And to break it all down right now inside the Whitefish Credit Union Studios, it is my good friend Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals Podcast. Brandon, it is great to chat with you once again, but I'm also kind of sad. I mean, um, it just feels like it was just August and September. I know, I, and I'm kind of glad that you called me back in because I, I kind of felt like our last conversation, kind of closing out the season for the Seahawks, I thought, oh, that's, this might be the last chance I get to talk with Anthony until you know we get to the draft and and maybe even free agency. But I, you brought me back for the Super Bowl. Here we are. Well, we got to keep the tradition alive. I had you on last year for the Super Bowl, and now uh, we get ready to see these two teams uh, do battle. Should be an exciting one, even though it is a, an opponent from the NFC West. Yeah, and so that's part of the problem. But I guess we we I had to go through this with you last year too, with the Rams being here. So <laughs> I I see the the consistency. It continues with having NFC West teams in the Super Bowl. Believe me, I'm talking to the NFC South. We're trying to fix it. Uh, Brandon, before we dive too far into the Super Bowl, obviously much of this week, um, you usually don't have anything that really dominates the Super Bowl, but obviously the passing of Kobe Bryant. I got to ask you, man. I mean, uh, I don't know how much of a basketball fan you are, but how much did you watch Kobe Bryant or did Kobe Bryant have an impact on you? Yeah, I I wasn't much of a basketball fan, but I mean everybody knows who Kobe Bryant is, and I had I, I kind of had that connection to Bryant being that he came up the same time I was coming up. You know, as he was coming out of high school, I was coming out of high school. He was forty one, so just I think six months older than me. And so to when that happened, I mean I've always followed the interviews, and he's an incredible guy to just hear him talk in terms of his intensity and how he approaches everything, not even just with basketball, but everything that he had going on after basketball. Mm-hmm. And you kind of got the sense that you know he had other things that he was going to be doing, and he, and he was so busy. I mean, shoot, he won the, uh, what was it, Academy Award? Yep. And, um, and so it, it was kind of surreal to get that news on Sunday, especially coming down during the Pro Bowl. And um, I just I remember my wife and I just both looking at each other, you know, as we're scrolling through our phones and, and we both kind of heard the news through our phones at the same time. And uh, and and then it was talked about on the Pro Bowl. So, yeah, it was just kind of a surreal moment, I think, that everybody it w- just because it was so unexpected. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it, it really it, it still feels raw for everyone. And I don't know what the NBA is going to do. I kind of talked about it last time on my show, the way they would honor him. Um, but at the same time, you know, I know a lot of people, and I'm sure you at some point, and I've done it many times before, but we all take in that little piece of paper and 
said Kobe at one point to throw it in the trash can. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and that's who, you, you know, you think of, you know, I, I grew up watching Michael Jordan and then, you know, Kobe kind of took over as the dominant person in, in basketball and then, you know, LeBron James. So everybody, you know, everybody, whether you are a basketball fan or not, you know of those players. Absolutely. Right now we're with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Uh, jumping into Super Bowl 54, uh, let's talk about this, Brandon, because I had my good friend Mark Moses on yesterday. He was uh, at the Super Bowl. He's down in Miami. And so you've been to the Super Bowl. Uh, you went to the uh, Seahawks domination of Peyton Manning and the Broncos in New York. Uh, what's it like for people that haven't had that chance to go to a Super Bowl? What's that atmosphere like? What's the things going around in, in the city where the Super Bowl is at? Yeah, it's it was an incredible time go, getting to go to New York for that Super Bowl. And you have to remember kind of the context of the time, too, is that everybody thought, you know, there's going to be a big storm coming and uh, just the temperature. And so there weren't a whole lot of people excited, I think, to go to that Super Bowl. Ticket prices were relatively low compared to uh, warmer climates. And they just in New York, they had a, they had the Super Bowl village set up in New York City. You could walk down the street and, you know, they had uh, events for fans and the cool thing was all of the fan parties that uh, groups would plan. We had our own Seahawks bar that was just uh, the block and a half away from Times Square that that was the go to place if you were a Seahawks fan and, you know, you'd walk in and I remember seeing Richard Sherman's mom and dad in the bar and you'd go up and, and take a picture and say hi and and all kinds of other, the Seahawks that fans that dress up at the games that you usually see on TV, you know, they're all decked out in their gear. So it's an incredible experience if you're, especially if you're tied in with that type of fan community and, and you know who those folks are. And then just all of the other attractions that, uh, especially being in New York, uh, that you could attend just because there's always things going on in New York City. And I'm sure it's the same way in Miami. Was there one thing that you wish you would have been able to do while you were there or an attraction that was there that maybe you missed that you, you, you just didn't get a chance to get to? No, I well the the one thing that I kind of uh, you missed out on in New York was just that the stadium was so far away from the actual events in New York, so gotcha. it was kind of it was you know it was separated. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think you go to some cities and you have the stadium right there, and they're able to kind of set up everything around the stadium, and the, so I think that that's why you know with the new stadium being put in down in L.A that they're kind of keeping that in mind so you can have all of that stuff kind of together and and then maybe fans aren't uh it, it just it was a, a separate ap atmosphere uh going and and having the super bowl village in the city versus on game day then you had to travel all the way to somewhere where you haven't been throughout the entire week and it was kind of a whole new setup so i i like the idea of having everything together what was the game like? I mean, obviously, for most fans, we're all sitting at home watching this game. <laughs> you get to be in the stadium and watch that game. What's a Super Bowl game compared to a regular season game? It, the funny thing is, is once it kicks off, it really does feel like a regular football game. I expected it to kind of feel a little bit different just because it, here it is. It's a Super Bowl and I'm, I'm standing here watching it. And and once you settle in, it just it feels like a regular game. But then you have Bruno Mars come out at halftime and and you realize, well, this doesn't normally happen at uh, <laughs> regular football games. True, true. Well, uh, Brandon, let's get your thoughts on this matchup. Chiefs versus 49ers here. Do you feel like this is an attractive matchup? Do you feel like a lot of eyes are going to put their um, selves? I mean, I know this is always judged by ratings and things like that, but do you feel like this is a sexy matchup for the Super Bowl? I think once you got down to the divisional rounds, this kind of felt like the the best matchup that we could kind of hope for in terms of the teams. I think 
uh, you know, especially once New Orleans got knocked out, I felt like they were one of the better teams. Uh, and I, I, I see you looking at me because I know <laughs> as an NFC South uh, a fan, uh, well, you're you're only a fan of one team in the NFC South, and and the Saints aren't one of them. So uh, I, I thought that that was going that was an appealing matchup for me just because of Drew Brees, you know, right. and uh, and I would have liked to see, you know, especially I guess if you could have had Brees. And uh, Brady matched up in a Super Bowl. I know we've kind of been looking at that the past couple of years. We never really had to have, we never really got to see those guys face off in a Super Bowl. So that would have been kind of cool. But uh, I like the idea of Andy Reid coming back and uh, and now being in a Super Bowl once again. You know, after gosh, how many years since he took the Eagles uh, way back with Donovan McNabb? So getting to see him back in it and just having an offensive type performance and then over uh, on the 49ers side you know a, a pretty well-rounded team and uh, Richard Sherman back in the Super Bowl so it's always fun to hear what he has to say throughout the week it, oh yeah it uh I, I do like the matchup although I do as a Seahawks fan really want the 49ers to lose <laughs> I don't blame you uh Brandon Schultz joining us here uh Brandon you talked about Andy Reid there let's talk about this because both head coaches Come in with the fact that neither one's won a Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, Kyle's dad won two Super Bowls with the Broncos. Right. But Kyle still has hanging over his head that 28-3 to loss to the Patriots a couple of years ago. As you just mentioned, Andy Reid fell to the Patriots in 2004. Couldn't get it done. Had a lot of trouble in the title games. Uh, was able to get past that. Who has more to prove or redeem themselves, you think, to uh, this Sunday? Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan? I think... This means a lot more to Andy Reid in terms of his legacy as a coach than Shanahan, especially considering Andy Reid's age and the fact that he's never got it done as a head coach in this moment. And I, I think that, you know, this is what would top off a Hall of Fame type career for Andy Reid as a head coach. And I feel like with Kyle, he's got so many more opportunities and right. yes i'm sure he wants to get that uh <laughs> the stench of the 28 to 3 loss off of him that's always going to be with him though whether he gets a super bowl or not it's just going to be whether he has one or whether he doesn't have one and he's all but he's always going to remember the one that he lost so uh just as seahawks fans i know we look back and uh on fieldgoals.com this week we <laughs> the question was asked you know if you could have one back the 2005 super bowl against the steelers or the super bowl 49 against the patriots which one one would you pick? And, you know, that's really, that's a, is that really a debate? I think it is a debate. Really? Yeah. Because I would really take the one over the Patriots. I don't care about the Steelers one. (laughs) I think for, for longtime fans, the fact that then Mike Holmgren would have his second Super Bowl ring, he'd have it with two different teams. He'd be, I think the only coach to be able to do that. Matt Hasselbeck would have a ring, Sean Alexander, Walter Jones. You think about those guys Mm -hmm. that were so good. And the fact that, you know, all these players would have a ring versus, you know, yes, Pete Carroll would have a second one. And, you know, you'd have that uh, potential uh, legacy title of the team. And, you know, and, and there's also the argument if the Seahawks get that win over the Patriots, do they go back and do they get a third one the next year? Uh, not having that that one play hanging over their head, and uh, so I I can see where there's an argument, but I think the the emotional part of me that the just you know roots for guys like Walter Jones and Matt Hasselbeck and Mike Holmgren for for that group to have a ring and for that to have been the Seahawks' first Super Bowl, I, I kind of would have liked that too. Brandon, let me get your thoughts on this, because as we talked about the the attractiveness of this matchup, for me, I kind of look at previous Super Bowls, and I feel like this Super Bowl to me kind of lines up as 
the 2002 Super Bowl. I know, yes, I'm picking the Bucks Super Bowl here. I know that sounds a little biased, but I will say this: the 49ers defense has the number one pass defense. Tampa Bay did. Um, they were obviously 49ers were better against the run than Tampa Bay's defense was, but Tampa's offense was nothing to really sneeze at. Um, and then they went up against the Oakland Raiders, who had the number one ranked offense, number one passing attack, Rich Gannon, high flying offense, all that. It, it kind of feels like that Super Bowl for me. Is there a Super Bowl matchup that feels similar for you for this game? The closest one that I I could kind of think back to was the one that that Mike that Kyle Shanahan was in was the the Falcons vor, versus the Patriots because you think about the Patriots the defense that they had at that time that was a, a much improved defense mm-hmm. and because uh, that was Darrell Revis when he had come back right and so uh, you had the fl- the high flying Falcons offense be with kind of a mediocre quarterback in Matt Ryan and uh, and. But they didn't quite have the running game that uh, Falcons team, obviously. That uh, although I guess if we're uh, reversing roles and saying that the it was the Patriots defense, then uh, maybe I'm getting mixed up here. But <laughs> <laughs> but that was two. But they were the the thing that it brings me to with that though. It was two teams, and it, and it felt like a coin flip going into that Falcons Patriots game. That you know you, you thought, oh, you know, is the is it the offense that's going to be able to you know with the Falcons team that could put up so many points. Can they get it done against the Patriots who are a little bit better on defense? And I feel like that's the struggle that I have with this game with the the Chiefs and with the 49ers because I look at the 49ers and I I see you know the the defense that can really help them win the game but then I look over too and I I think of Patrick Mahomes and I think gosh this is a guy who can get it done just about against anybody and even if he falls uh down a touchdown or two early on he's not going to crumble and is going to be able to get his team back in it if he has to my feature guest is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. We'll continue to talk about the Super Bowl next year on the Knock On Sports. Super Bowl 54 is this Sunday. The Kansas City Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers will hoist the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Brandon Schultz joins us inside the Whitefish Credit Union Studios as we're breaking down the game. Uh, Brandon, we kind of talked about... Um, the matchups and what Super Bowl it looks like. Bringing this thing down. Mahomes, we know what he does. We know how good he is. Obviously, Kansas City doesn't have a great running game, as great as obviously San Francisco's. Uh, but at the same time, do you think Mahomes can move the ball against this 49ers defense? I think he can because especially having the speed that he does uh, on the outside with his wide receivers, I think that's really going to be the key matchup for the Chiefs, if they can burn by guys like Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon uh, for the 49ers, I think that this Chiefs team will be able to score quickly and score often. And with that, let me reverse the role here. Do you think the Chiefs defense, can they stop the San Francisco rushing attack? Because I know everyone's talking about Jimmy G and the fact that he didn't throw that much against uh, the Green Bay Packers. But if you don't have to, why should you? You know. <laughs> well, and the other problem is, is if you do stop it, then are you creating other problems for yourself, especially with George Kittle? I think a lot of us forget about just how dominant George Kittle can be if that San Francisco 49ers running game isn't working. And I don't know if the Chiefs really have, you know, are they going to try and put Tyron Matthew on Kittle? If uh, And how might that work out? Because he is a guy that you do have to scheme for. And the fact that we didn't see him really have to play that much of a role uh, against the Packers, I, I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. I don't know. This could be a trivia question because I don't I don't remember if there's a tight end that's actually won Super Bowl MVP when you talk about it because I didn't even think about this and I was just talking about thinking about it as you were talking about yeah. it. 
we had probably the two best tight ends in the NFL playing in this Super Bowl between Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Absolutely. And it could definitely come down to one of those guys because, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo, if that's who he is going to consistently, and we've seen so many games where Kittle has been the dominant player on offense for the 49ers, I, I could absolutely see him be an MVP if it comes down to, you know, if he has a stat line of 150 receiving yards, two touchdowns, and, and the 49ers come away with the win. Both teams have great pass rushers. Uh, obviously, Terrell Suggs, Frank Clark for the Chiefs. Uh, you look at Nick Bosa and company uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the funny part is, I know we talk about what Super Bowl this looks like, but I'm going back to the San Francisco-New Orleans game. That's kind of the feel I have, so I'm taking the over here. A lot of people are betting the over right now. 70%, according to MGM, uh, the over is 54.5. Would you take the over on this, Brandon? I would likely take the over because I think so with 54 and a half, what are you talking about? 30, 24 being kind of the bottom end score for a game mm-hmm. like this. And gosh, yeah, you you look back to that game between the, the Saints and the 49ers early on in the season and you give both of these coaches a couple weeks to game plan. I think we could see a lot of trick plays from uh, the 49ers offense. And then I mentioned Patrick McCombs and his ability to, to score quickly with that Chiefs offense. I, I would absolutely see this being a high scoring game. And then, Brandon, just to have a little bit of fun uh, with this game, obviously, uh, for some strange reason, the state of Montana, their favorite Super Bowl food is a lentil soup. Have you ever <laughs> served lentil soup at a Super Bowl party? I have never served lentil soup at a Super Bowl party. I'll rarely eat it uh, just as a dish in my home just because it's it, it really is plain. Yeah, that's, you know, I the those surveys are very strange because it was lent, it's lentil soup for the Super Bowl. And I remember at Halloween that uh, that the the really what a double bubble. Yeah. Gum was the dominant Halloween candy for Montana, and I that's baffling to me. I was about to say, I, I really want to know where they're taking these surveys because <laughs> I don't know what people I don't know what people they're talking to. Um, ultimate spread though, if you could if you could come up with the ultimate Super Bowl menu, yeah, what are we going with? Oh, I'm I'm a big wing guy, so right. I would I would have wings on Super Bowl nachos, obviously a, a good Super Bowl staple, and um, then for dessert. Um, I, I'm, I'm a pie guy. So, and being in Montana, how about we, we do huckleberry pie? I like it. I definitely like that huckleberry pie all day long. Um, Brandon, Super Bowl ads. I I have, I've only seen a couple, but this is, don't show me the Super Bowl (laughs) ads until the Super Bowl is here. Otherwise I lose interest in the commercials. Yeah. That's, it is kind of weird that we now have the ability to go on YouTube and watch the commercials of the game before the game actually happens. And who is doing that, by the way, isn't that part of the Super Bowl that you, that you take that in with the experience? What, who's going, who's so excited about the commercials that they're going and watching them ahead of time? Well, here's what I want to know. Why are the companies releasing them? You pay nearly $5 million in ad. Yeah. Why are you releasing them early? If you're a commercial, I mean, if, if you're a big business like that, you want as many eyeballs as possible. Yeah. So I, I could see why, yeah, release them early. And that way people see them leading up to it. That Then they see them when they watch the game and uh, then they get to talk about them after. So it is, it's, it's become its own like subculture. What uh, company do you think wins Super Bowl Sunday? Gosh, you know, Doritos is always strong. Uh, Bud Light's got a good one, I think, this year. Yeah. But they always usually have a good one. Yeah, There's always someone, though, that comes up and surprises you. That that you just... As you, long as we don't get that monkey baby from Mountain Dew. <laughs> Even though we could see we could see some flashbacks. Apparently, Geico's going with that. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I See, I always like the Geico cavemen. I think those were... They were originally 
launched in a Super Bowl. I wouldn't be surprising. They, don't they fact would be check good. me on that. I don't know for sure, but I, that feels true. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, also, the halftime show, J-Lo, Shakira. Are you actually excited about this halftime show? Or do you ever get excited about a halftime show? Um, I, I do. Kind of, I'm, I'm always interested uh, to see what they do because you think back and there just have been... You know, some crazy things that happen, you know, with Katy Perry coming out on the huge lion. Or that was get, pretty cool. Or though. Lady Gaga coming down from the the roof of the stadium. That was pretty wild. And, you know, I, and part of me just wants to wait and see if Bruno Mars is going to show up randomly. I think Pitbull's more likely. Pro- probably more likely, especially <laughs> considering the uh, the entertainers in this one. But uh, you know, we had we had Bruno Mars and I think uh, two of the we had him in twice two. in three years. Yeah, because well, it was Super Bowl forty eight because yeah. he was the headline. He act was the in headliner, Super Bowl 48. right? And then uh, I can't remember who the headline act was in Super Bowl fifty. Was it wasn't Maroon Five or was it? No, it was um, oh, there was the British group. I can't think of off the top of my head uh, for Super Bowl fifty because he showed up with Muse? Beyonce. No, no, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Muse. I okay. can't remember who who it was. Um, but either way, yeah, uh, it should be interesting. It should be a fun Super Bowl. Make your pick. Who are you going with? Unfortunately, I, as much as I've thought this through, I think the 49ers are going to win, and it, I don't like it. <sighs> really, really, you're going to pick them? I'm. I I have to pick who I think's going to win. <laughs> uh, I, they're not who I want to win, Anthony. All right, all right. What's the score? I. Th- I think uh, 31-28. Fair enough. I liked it. A close game. I will really enjoy a close game Super Bowl. Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals Podcast. I know we're getting ready for the offseason, Brandon, but what's coming up for the podcast? Oh, we've always got... We're we're doing stuff at Field Goals uh, throughout the offseason. We've been talking Senior Bowl. I know uh, people have gone back. We had an interview with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, a few weeks back, and and people have been tuning into that. A lot of good information there. And then uh, I've been breaking down either before the Senior Bowl, after the Senior Bowl, talking about players that the Seahawks might be interested in. So check that out and subscribe, sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. Brandon, always appreciate the time. Always enjoy sitting down and chatting with you. Looking forward to our next conversation, my friend. Go Hawks.